Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Trips this week. So we have a trip to uh, Guatemala, a trip in Mexico, in Tecate, Mexico, and we have a trip in West Virginia. And so we've sent, and honestly, it was so cool. Last November, we pitched it to some of our legacy donors and uh, we had a guy on our legacy team write a check to help underwrite the whole week of missions trips for young adults and, and young people this week. So this is our next gen missions week. And we've got three trips, uh, two international and one in West Virginia. And then also all week long, we're calling it our next gen serve week. So if, uh, if you've got a young adult, elementary, middle school, high school kid, whatever, we'd love for you to bring them to the church and get on our social media and check our website for times and details. How many of you know your kids have been out of school for two weeks and are already sleeping too much, eating too much, watching too much Netflix? Y'all know what I'm saying. So it's time to get them out the house and let them serve somebody. So we have this week of serve projects available for you. And we'd love for you to get your students, your young people involved, and you come and be a part of our Next Gen Serve Week. Uh, also, I wanted to tell you, I've been really excited about this. We've been working on it for over a year now, but uh, I wanted to share with you a new partnership that we're launching officially as a church. We have a, a number of core value statements that lead our behaviors and determine what we do as a team. If you've been through our Next Steps class, you've heard these things. We say things like, we love God, we love people, we choose joy, we pursue excellence. One of our core value statements is we grow intentionally. How many of you know what unintentional growth is? Come on, butter and sugar got you growing. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, I've been growing a lot lately, praise the Lord. But we grow intentionally and we wanna grow in our theology, we wanna grow in our understanding of Christ and his word. And, and uh, we, we as a team, like we value education, we value development and leadership and learning as leaders. And so for the last year, we kind of beta testing this partnership with a, a university in Missouri called Evangel University. And I wanna let you know as a church, we are now officially launching this process of, of lifelong learning and, and a partnership that's available to you. We have a lot of pathways to grow intentionally. We have our Next Steps class, we have our small groups. We actually have a one or two year internship that uh, is always a lot of fun and we get a lot of growth. So we, we've had as many as 50 or so interns interning with us throughout the years. And, and that's uh, open enrollment right now as well for that. You gotta be on a dream team and sponsored by a staff member, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, now we're offering another pathway for you to grow intentionally. And it's in partnership with Evangel University based out of Springfield, Missouri, to provide a master's degree in ministry and in leadership. It's actually the seminary where I got my master's degree. And uh, if you have any desire at all to grow intentionally, specifically, with graduate level theology and graduate level leadership training, this will translate into your home, into your company, and your work business. It'll also translate really well into your small groups and your own personal development. Uh, I wanna invite you to just apply and, and engage interest for you to join us for Evangel University. So uh, your GI Bill can help cover this. Uh, they take grants, they take student loans, however you wanna acquire it. I don't recommend a student loan. Of course, I want you to get the other opportunities to pay for it, but, but they cut the degree program cost in half just for a season. And we are one of their premier partners as a church. 
And so I want to invite you. We've got a number of people that are in the first year program right now. But this fall, we're going to launch a new cohort. We'd love to have 12 to 15 or more of you that want to go through. Many, many folks have signed up for like Liberty University or Liberty Online. And I think that's fantastic. I love the hunger for growth and things of theology and leadership. And Evangel is another great partner that we have. So we have a, we have a banner in the lobby and a place with some people uh, there with some information. We have these little... We have these little cards available for you with some Q. It's on our website as well. We have some QR code information for you. I would just love it. And honestly, uh, depending on how many students we end up getting, some of us may be able to be the professors, myself or Pastor Randy and others, uh, to be a part of this. I just love growth in, in, in formal education. And so it'll be a master's degree in ministry and leadership. It's a two-year program. And at current, the cost is right at about $10,000 for a full-on master's degree, fully accredited. And uh, you get to do it at your church. I think the church needs to again be a place of lifelong learning. Can I hear an amen from everybody? Amen. All right, anyway, so uh, thanks for being generous. I wanna get into my sermon, but I do wanna thank you for your generosity and tell you something really cool that you guys have gotten to be a part of. We believe in tithing and we're a church that preaches, you know, we bring our first 10% to the Lord and we give it through his church. We also tithe as a church. Like we give away 10% of the income of LifePoint Church. And through your generosity and partnership with groups like Priority One, for example, we're building Bible colleges in Africa, Central America, parts of East Asia. In fact, I just found out last week uh, through a meeting with Sam Johnson at Priority One, many of you have heard from him when he's preached here a couple times, uh, there's a waiting list at one of the schools in Africa, 2,400 students are waiting to get into this program just for the fall semester. I mean, it's just incredible. They wanna go plant churches and just change the world starting in the continent of Africa. I believe global revival is gonna come out of Africa, y'all. There's some amazing things God is doing there. Also through your generosity and partnership with YAPAC, we're reaching out to homeless women and children and veterans in our region. And actually, I just heard this morning that, that uh, YAPAC is gonna be on the front end of feeding kids through the fuel program all summer long and your generosity gets to be a part of that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But this is really exciting. We've been working on this for a while. I really felt burdened by the Lord to help out. There are uh, three churches that I know of that are starting up this fall. Of course, we're building a new campus and I just love church planting. I think that's the, the, the healthiest way to reach people for Jesus. And we know of three churches that are starting up this fall. One whole group of folks moved here from California to plant Harvest Church. And there's another church called Modern Church that's launching in, uh, in the fall in September. And God really put it on my heart to help them in a significant way and through your giving and generosity, and we partnered with a couple other churches so far, we were able to purchase an entire mobile church, like kind of a church in a box. So this will include their full sound system, lighting, all their kid point check-in, their sticker machines, all that kind of stuff, an LED wall for stage, roadie cases, trailers to haul them in. And through your giving, we were able to purchase it and fully gift it to Modern Church as a sign that we are behind them and we support them. And I just wanna say praise God for being a generous church. Isn't that exciting, everybody? Listen, I know that we're in a season of building our next campus of our church, but that will not stop us from being generous to build the church in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? Life point. Okay, hey, turn with me in your Bible to Acts. Wrong series. Turn with me to Philippians chapter two. And we're in week four of our Philippians series. Can we just thank Pastor Elmer for the amazing job that he did last week? Man, what a great day. Last Sunday was, I've titled today's message, Jesus at the Center of It All. I actually named it after a friend of mine's song, a guy named Israel Houghton wrote a song, Jesus at the Center of It All. And uh, this, is a, this is a message, I'm just gonna tell you, if you ever wonder like what's a passion for Pastor Mike, 
Uh, you know, we say we're, our mission is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. Today's sermon is going to beat that drum like crazy today. So I'm just wanting you to settle in and saddle up. This is going to be great. Uh, Jesus at the center of it all from Philippians chapter two. At 18 years old, I'm a music major at the University of Tennessee and I'm a voice major, classical voice. And I was introduced to the world of real musicians. Like I didn't grow up considering myself a musician. I mean, I joined the choir because the option was choir or PE all year. I was like, man, I'm chubby. I'll go to choir. You know, like it was real opportunistic here. I didn't want to sweat all year. Y'all hear what I'm saying? But like, I liked music. I enjoyed singing around the house and I, I listened to all kinds of different music growing up, but I never considered myself a musician. If you're listening, you don't see me doing air quotes here around the word musician. But all of a sudden, I'm exposed to real musicians. Like these are people that are degreed and, and pursuing like a career and a life in music. And they talk about it all the time. They study it all the time. You can say, hey, how was your week? And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm the greatest Bach cantata. I'm like, what? Like they practice it all the time. They study it. They listen to different genres and recordings from all the eras of music, Baroque, Renaissance, classical. I just remember being surprised at how obsessed people were about music. Some of the professors, I mean, their personal talent for music, growing their ability, their instruments, their whole lives revolved around learning and knowing and making and producing music. Some of my friends idolized their craft. They, they pedestalized their instruments. I remember as a freshman in college, we were in an opera rehearsal for an opera called The Crucible. And, and when we had to, we'd come into the theater and there was a double bass on the floor of the theater on the stage, uh, a double bass, you know, boom, 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 boom. okay, if you don't, whatever. So that's my impression. So I, I said, hey, I'll move the bass, no problem. Let's get it off the stage for rehearsal. And apparently it was the bass professor's instrument. And so I'm reaching down to grab it. This is my posture right here. And the bass professor walks in and sees me and he goes, hey, Get your hand off my instrument. It's worth more than your life. I just remember going, you don't know my life, bro. What's wrong with you? You know, like, whatever. I just, I just remember, like, I, didn't, I never worshipped an instrument or pedestalized it. And all they could talk about is music and vocalists were the worst. My goodness, the first cool breeze in August. They got a scarf on and they're drinking hot tea and honey. And all of a sudden they get this high society way of talking. I'm like, girl, you're from Memphis. Quit talking like you're crazy. You know, like, what is wrong with you? I just remember like talking to people and I'm a baby Christian and, and I'm in college at UT and my world didn't revolve around music. It was a part of my life and it was a part of my studies, but like, I like playing ultimate Frisbee and I like the cafeteria and the gym and this girl I was chasing, Stephanie, you know, like I just, I just remember not thinking that was the center of my world. Plus I was a Christian, but honestly, we've all got things like that, right? Like we're, we're Christians. We follow Jesus. We love God. We believe in the Holy Spirit. But I think we love to obsess about things too, don't we? I mean, think about it. What, what are the obsessions of your life? The older I get, like the more tempted I am to hone in on certain obsessions. It could be career. It could be army, my country, my politics, my, my rank, getting to the next level. Some of us say like, my kids are the center of my universe. Money, getting more of it, a certain level of money. For some of us, like we obsess over sports, Sports teams, this doesn't make sense to me, like fantasy teams. It's bad enough I don't understand all sports. I certainly don't get fantasy sports. In fact, when I was in grad school, I had a bunch of friends, they, had a, they needed one more guy to get on their fantasy sports team. And I said, I don't even understand what that is. I don't know what that means. This feels phony to me. And they just pressured me, please, Mike, come on, man, help us out, join our fantasy league. I was like, fine. 
So it was a Yahoo account. And I created, I had to create a website, like an email. So my email was fantasyfootballisdumb at yahoo.com. I promise you that was true. I didn't draft, I didn't show up, I never entertained it. I won the league for like seven weeks in a row. They were so mad at me. They're like, you're not even trying. I was like, favor ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? It's called, I got a prayer life, son. Better know. <laughs> and then all my people got injured and I lost. I didn't care. Maybe what centers your world is a hobby like hunting or fishing or being the greatest crossfitter in the world. Maybe, maybe you see the things that center your life that are damaging, like addiction to drugs and alcohol, pornography, sex. Maybe those things become the center of your world and you know, there's a lot of things that become our obsessions that don't destroy others, but that doesn't mean they're not still unhealthy obsessions. We center our lives around things like greed and lust and pride, unforgiveness, envy, jealousy. These things and more can become unhealthy center points of our lives, our social perspectives, our identity, our politics, our sexuality. I'm actually convinced that humans have a natural tendency towards obsession. We have a natural orientation to make kings and to look for lords. If you want proof of that, read your Bible, starting in Genesis chapter three. But what about Jesus at the center of it all? What if we really allow Jesus to become the center of our lives? I'm not just talking about let's believe in Jesus appropriately. Can I just remind everyone that the devil believes in Jesus? But Jesus is not the center of his life. I'm not just talking about let's commit to love Jesus more, spend a little bit more time with him this week. I'm asking like, what does it look like for Jesus Christ to become the center of our lives where everything is shaped around him? Our thoughts are shaped around Jesus at the center. Our actions are reflective of Jesus at the center. What if our home and our family and what we listen to and what we watch and, and what we allow into our, our lives becomes shaped around Jesus at the center of it all? Jesus at the center of our beliefs. Hey, life point, is Jesus at the center of this church? I am not the center of this church and neither are you. Jesus must be the center of our church or else let's not come here anymore. Is he the center of your money? Is he the center of your calendar? Is he the center of your politic? Is Jesus at the center of it all? I want to spend some time in Philippians 2 today looking at how the Apostle Paul is teaching us to, to bring Jesus to the middle of it all. He's the center of our relationships. Jesus would be the center of our church. Jesus would be the center of our actions and our heart. And ultimately, Jesus would be the center, therefore, truly over everything. It starts by seeing a faith and commitment to Jesus at the center of it all. That is what will unite us as a church. Let me encourage you with something here. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but we live in a pretty divided time, a pretty divided world. I think one of the problems is we've tried to get behaviors aligned instead of hearts and minds aligned around Jesus. And the church should only be promoting Jesus and the Lordship of Christ and the, the life in the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, man, it will bring us into unity. Watch this, verse one, Paul says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy, he's using rhetorical reasoning here. Remember, the apostle Paul is in prison as a political prisoner for multiple years now. He's chained to a wall in a dungeon prison, having the worst experience ever. And he's telling the Philippian churches, 
Hey guys, if there's any encouragement in you in Christ, any comfort from love, participation in the Holy Spirit, affection and sympathy, verse two, complete my joy. Man, Pastor Paul from prison, complete my joy, make my joy full and complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and being of one mind. Did you know they drove Hondas in the Bible? Being full of court? Okay, anyway, that's just it. You can get those jokes and more at the master's degree at Evangel University, Bible jokes. I wanna remind you the apostle Paul from a prison cell is writing about how he can find joy. Look what he says, you'll make my joy complete by you guys being united. In the last text we read, and I'm so thankful to Pastor Elmer's treatment of my favorite verse of the Bible, verse 27. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, showing worth and honor to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, so that whether I, Paul, your pastor, whether I come to see you or I remain absent, I may hear that you're standing firm in one spirit, standing firm with one mind, that you're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Can I tell you as a pastor, like it's my greatest desire that you would, whether I'm around you or not, be living passionately and on fire for God and for Jesus Christ with one mind and firmly standing side by side for the faith in the gospel. Let me tell you, as a pastor, like I get it. I, I, I'm a fun killer. Can I just, I don't even mean to be. I try to be a fun guy, but like if I, it's one thing if I do your wedding, it's another thing if I'm at your reception. I mean, that's the most awkward thing for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I show up at games and, and sports and, and, and folks apologize for their language with me. They're just like cussing. And, oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor Mike. It's like, I've heard those words before. <laughs> or my favorites, the wedding receptions where they hide their beers like I've never seen it. They go, hey, what's up, Pastor? What's up, man? It's my, it's my dog right here. I'm like, I've seen that before too. Don't be saved because I'm around or not. Sometimes we treat our pastor, don't do that to me. Don't, don't, are you kidding? Don't do that to other Christians. You live on fire for God all the time. Paul says, whether I'm with you or I'm away from you, that I can hear that you are passionately in pursuit of Christ, that you are in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In the last three years, we've watched people take arms and go side by side, striving for all kinds of other toxic fights in our culture. What if we said we're gonna stand side by side to fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ? and make a big deal about Jesus. And in that context, he says, you're not frightened by anything. He goes on in verse one of chapter two, he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, this is like rhetorical questions here. He's like, so look, if, there, if, if any of you are encouraged because of Jesus, if there's any comfort from love for God, if there's any participation in the Holy Spirit, if there's any affection in you or any sympathy in you, the New Living Version, the New Living Translation says it like this, same verse, chapter two, verse one. He asks it as questions, which is kind of the, the heart behind how Paul asks it. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Jesus? Is there, this is kind of, these, these parentheses, parenthetical thoughts are mine, so you have context of how to read it. So is there, and then this whole list of things, so the is there attaches to every sentence. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together among you in the Holy Spirit? Like, does the Holy Spirit make your relationships better? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I love his use of rhetorical questions here because if Jesus is the center of it all, the answer to all of these questions should be a resounding what? Yes. 
And he's hoping that the, the answer to these church folks will be, of course, there's, there's, we're, we're thankful and encouraged that we belong to Jesus. In fact, let me just ask LifePoint Church, let me ask you guys, can I just ask you for an honest answer? Are any of you encouraged that you belong to Jesus? Let's try that again for the rest of you. Are any of you encouraged that you belong to Jesus? Listen to me. This world is falling apart. This culture will not last forever. But are any of you encouraged that your life is hidden in Christ and you belong to Jesus Christ? Anybody encouraged by that? Are any of you comforted? Listen, are any of you comforted that God has shown his love for you and that while you were a sinner, Jesus died for you and he loves you unconditionally? Is anyone comforted by that? Is any one of you thankful that you have fellowship with me and others here because of the, the Holy Spirit? The presence of God himself brings us into fellowship. Anybody comforted by that and thankful for it? Are any of your hearts tender to God and compassionate for others? Do you look at our missions sending and our generosity and, and the things we're saying and you go, wow, we get to be a part of doing what God's doing. If your answer is yes to any of those questions, first of all, thank you. Praise God. I want you to think this way. Like, what if you go every day? I'm like, Jesus is the center of my life. I'm so encouraged. I'm so comforted. I'm so thankful. And then he says, if, that, if the answers are yes, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. Let me get this right. Being in full accord and of one mind. When Jesus is at the center of it all, church, listen to me, it will bring unity among us. I'm telling you, our culture is so divided, but the church is equally divided. Have you studied denominations? Have you studied the reasons we're denominated? It's so dumb. Am I yelling? I feel like I'm yelling. It doesn't make any sense to me. We, we debate over things that don't even matter. Can we be in one heart, in one mind, in one spirit? Can we be united together? Well, do you guys sing hymns or do y'all sing that contemporary music? <laughs> Are you joking me? We're going to argue over that? How about Jesus is Lord of all and the spirit of God lives on the inside of us and the Bible is true and you got to be born again. Well, you know, I don't go to a church where they worship in that rock music with a drum set. Let me give you a little church history, everybody. You know those precious hymns that people think are so sacred? If you go study the history of hymns, very often they were old bar tunes from the 1800s that they put Christian lyrics on and then made sacred. Wow, isn't it powerful how God takes secular things and redeems them when you put the lyrics of the gospel on them? But bless God, those are the sacred songs. Well, they didn't used to be. They were bar tunes. Those were songs from the club. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Don't come at me with that stuff. Because when Jesus is at the center of it all, the beat don't matter. When Jesus is at the center of it all, do y'all wear jeans or robes, bless God? Uh, what denomination are you anyway? Uh, sorry, I'm in a mood. I'm just like, I'm just letting it all out. I'm going on vacation soon. Y'all just deal with it. What do y'all let women preach in that church up there? I got a house full of women preaching me all the time. Are you, y'all all need some of that. I'm way less concerned with the gender of the preacher than I am that the gospel's being preached here at this church. Are you kidding me? 
Now I can theologically discuss that too, and so could you if you'd like to join us at Evangel University this fall. <laughs> well, what version of the Bible do you read from anyway? You know, I believe in the King James, uh, 1611. Listen to me, Jesus didn't talk in English, in the King's English, and I don't care what version of the Bible you read, I just want you to read the Bible. <laughs> we got folks debating which version who don't even read one. Don't come at me with that. Complete my joy, not by figuring out every reason you're divided, but by being of the same mind. What are we the same mind about? The Bible's true. Jesus is the only way to heaven. I didn't write this Bible. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me. If you have a contest with Jesus, you go, well, all roads lead to heaven. The problem is that's not what Jesus said. If you have a problem with that statement, your issue's not with me, your issue's with Jesus. We're of one mind that the Bible's true. We're of one mind that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We're of one mind that you have to be born again. And we're of one mind that you can live a spirit-filled, spirit-led, Jesus at the center of it kind of life. And here's what I guarantee. If we will just focus there, if we'll give a year of just obsessing over Jesus and his word and his gospel and the, the spirit-led life. Listen to me, all those things that divide us and that we think are a big deal will become a much smaller deal. When Jesus is at the center of this thing, look at me, you're not. Yes. Complete my joy. The New Living says this way, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. I'm always confused when Christians specifically, I, I'm not responsible for the world, I'm not president yet. I'm always confused when believers wanna find reasons amongst themselves to be divided. Let me tell you something, I'm not talking about issues of sin and repentance. We, we, we're gonna believe what God's word says. Like repent of your sin, confess your sins, give them to God. I'm talking about like, Bible's true, Jesus is Lord, spirit-led life. Are y'all hearing, can we be agreeable about Jesus at the center of this thing? Not our denominational brand, not our style, not our history, not my pastor's the center of this thing. And in that, God will unite us as a church. And I'm telling you something, when the church is united, no devil in hell can compete with us. Your world will be way better. Have any of you come from a divided church split or a family that split? How many of you know that's never fun? So let's just commit. We're gonna focus on Jesus. We're gonna live a life by the word and be treasured by what God treasures. We're gonna not give in to opinions and divisive statements and secondary and tertiary stuff. We're gonna stay focused on Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center. I'm telling you, man, there is a completing of our joy when we will choose to do Christianity that way and we become a united front for good, a united church for God. Focusing on Jesus at the center will unite us. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Second, we learn to serve others because Jesus served others. I am so excited about this. Life point, I'm so proud of you all the time. I brag on you a lot. We're a giving church and we're a serving church. Now, we have room to grow in both. We're never perfect until the end of this life and we're with Jesus forever, but we're a giving church and a serving church. And we don't do that to impress God or to put, you know, hashtag post about it. We, we do it because God gives generously and we serve because God has been the model servant. I wanna show you a text of scripture in your Bible in the next passage that's gonna punch you in the teeth. You ready? Verse three says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. 
I just need you to underline that. This is the Apostle Paul from prison who's got every reason in the world to advocate for himself. I mean, if I was, I'm just gonna tell y'all, if I go to jail, Clarksville jail, I'm just downtown, I'm gonna write all y'all. I'm gonna look for, you know, commissary packages. I need some peanut butter and jelly. I need some help. Somebody bail me out. I'm gonna ask for me, 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 because I am selfish and conceited. Paul never asks for anyone to care for him. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. I want to pause at verse three. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. You know how we like to say, read your Bible and do what it says? Okay, did you know that we like to say, read your Bible and do what it says? Anybody read a verse like this and go, well, I wish that wasn't in there. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. What a powerhouse statement. What a gut check. I mean, I don't know about you. I'll just talk about me for a second. I'm selfish. I am conceited. I think about myself every day. I think about my family more than I think about your family. I think about our church family more than them other churches in town. And if we're honest, we're wired this way. It's our culture to be selfish and conceited. Listen, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition. This is a motive challenge here to advance yourself, to advance your cause, to advance your brand, your people, your thing, your identity. Do nothing out of conceit. Listen, that's out of pride, self-importance, snobbery, vanity. Paul, writing to this group of Christians, says, do nothing to try to make much of you or to platform you. I don't like this. Young people, this is so countercultural to everything you're being fed today. Everything you're being told is you be your best you, you decide who you are, you embrace you, be an influencer, build your brand, shine as bright as you want, and if no one accepts what you want to do, you can cancel them. Grown people, we've worked our whole lives being told, build your life, have ambition, put yourself out there, make a name for yourself, take risks, build a life. But the scripture says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of conceit. Here it is. But in humility, watch, here's where the rubber meets the road. In humility, count others more significant than you. That means, hey, let them step on you. That means let someone else be promoted ahead of you and celebrate it. That means open doors for people. That means bless them and don't curse them. That means absorb offense. I wasn't raised that way. This is when living in a manner worthy of the gospel becomes totally countercultural. But it is the best way to live. 
My good friend Gerald Brooks pastors in Plano, Texas, and he coaches a lot of pastors, myself included, and he says, when I come into a room, he's on the board of John Maxwell's leadership team, he's pastored 45 years, he's very successful, and he says, when I come into a room, I try not to think who do I need to meet and who do I need to rub shoulders with. He said, when I come into a new room, I go, who can I help? Pastor Jordan Smalley at our Austin P campus shared a powerful quote with me. He said, humility is not just thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm just a terrible person. I'm nothing. I'm worthless. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. He says, don't just look at your own interests, but look at the interests of others. I, I, I give to that forward campaign, but I'm buying a boat. I'd serve on a serve project, but man, I wanted to relax this week. I'm just uh, passive aggressively projecting on all of you right now, so I apologize for that. Those are easy targets for a church that's in a forward campaign. I'd pray for them, but you know, nobody's prayed for me this week. I got my own thing going on too. I tell them about Jesus, but you know, they can figure it out. If God really wants them, he'll save them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility, consider others more than ourselves. Don't look to your own interests, interest, but look to the interests of others. Here, here's the thing. I don't want you to just sit like a blob of goo and not do anything with your life. I just want you to make sure that you walk in humility and you reflect Jesus and you know that Christ cares about neighbors. Christ cares about his church. Christ cares about what's happening to others. And you and I have the privilege to reflect Jesus at the center of it all because we have the privilege of serving people like Christ did. Look at the very next verse. He says, have this mind in yourselves, which is also yours in Christ. There, another translation says it this way. Have the same mindset in you that is also in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, Jesus himself was God. Like he, he could have flexed divinity at any point. Could you imagine Jesus coming on the scene and be like, God's in the house. <laughs> but he never did. Jesus never self-promoted. He never even dropped a card going, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm God. Jesus himself, who though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He literally was like, yes, I'm equal with God, but it's not my main priority right now. But he emptied himself. Here's the heart of a person who's got Jesus at the center of it all because he's the model. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Watch this. Jesus humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus didn't flex his divinity. He emptied himself of it. Church, listen to me. I love how talented and brilliant and amazing you are. Just don't live in that space. Live in a space of humility. God's blessed me with so many talents and skills and I'm gonna empty myself of it and I'm gonna serve people. I'm gonna use these gifts and talents. I'm gonna do the things God has called me to do and I'll do it because my master, is, I'm at, he's at the center of it all and he showed me how to do it. We live in a time when we're encouraged to be more of ourselves, build a bigger brand, make much of you. Like the favorite photograph in the world right now is the selfie. Can you imagine serving to death? I've heard people say, I love you to death. I've heard people say, I'll beat you to death. I've heard people say, I'm scared to death. My kids have all said, I'm starving to death. But I've never heard anyone say, I will serve you till death. 
Pastor Elmer, his house is next door to a large farm in Sango, or out in the Rossview area. And last year, a sinkhole had opened up on the farm near the property where Elmer and his family live and his kids often play. The farmer's an elderly man and a recent widower named Guy Evans. And Guy went out on his own accord, not asked or requested. He saw the sinkhole. He saw it was a risk. And he went out on his own accord to post a fence around the sinkhole in order to protect any people, children, animals, or farm equipment from falling into that deep sinkhole. While Guy was out, no one saw him doing it, literally installing a fence to keep others out of the sinkhole. Tragically, he slipped and fell into the sinkhole and died at the bottom of the sinkhole. It was an absolute tragedy on so many levels. It just happened last year. Some of his family attend our church. Pastor Elmer was directly involved in discovering and recovering his body. And we all felt the pain of his death. But Guy died serving others. Like Jesus, he lost his life doing something for somebody else. And part of Jesus at the center of it all is being people willing to serve others. I'm telling you, when he's at the center of it all, serving is not a burden, it's a pleasure. When we realize that we serve a God who's given his life and expended himself more more hours, more energy, more time, more blood, and he did it gladly and willfully, he becomes the model for serving. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. It's a joy to have these gifts and talents and abilities to serve others, to give generously, to give our lives in service to other people. You and I, because we want Jesus at the center of it all, listen, life point, we get to serve others. One of the easiest ways that you get to do that is by joining your church's dream team. I wanna say thanks for the amazing people that serve on our dream team already. Hundreds and hundreds of you show up every weekend, but thousands of you do not. And I wanna ask and challenge you in a very challenging question. Please don't take this as judgment. Take it as a pastor who loves you. Is Jesus at the center of your calendar or not? Is Jesus at the center of your gifts and talents and skills? You're an incredible musician, but you won't give it to his house. You're an incredibly wealthy person, but you won't give it to the Lord to build his kingdom. You're incredibly talented in so many areas. And part of Jesus at the center of all of that talent is giving it away to serve others. Serve your city, serve your family, serve your neighborhood. Serve with a glad heart because Jesus is at the center of it all. And then say it like this. I can't believe I get to do this. Man, I I get emotional when I think about it. And I've said it a lot recently. I can't believe that the God who saved me has invited me to be a part of saving others. I can't believe it. That the God who rescued me and invited me into the church, I never belonged to the church ever growing up. And then God says, I want you to lead one of them for me. I can't believe it. Finally, When Jesus is the center of it all, he's Lord over all. Verse nine, we just saw him being obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. Verse nine, therefore God, the father, has exalted him, the son, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. I want you to understand something. Jesus had equality with God and emptied himself of it. Jesus chose to give himself as a servant to the point of death. And because of that, God the Father has bestowed on him the name that's above every name. The name of Jesus is the name above every single name ever named ever. So that at the name of Jesus, look at this, 
Every knee should bow. Every knee in heaven, every knee on earth, every knee under the earth. If you've ever wondered if God desires for everyone to say yes to Jesus, here it is. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, the only way that God the Father is glorified is that you give your life to Jesus. Some people say, well, I follow God. I'm a spiritual person. I believe in God. There's no following God without following Jesus, and God the Father set it up that way. He said the only way to honor God is to bow your knee and to confess your tongue to the name of Jesus. It's the name over every name. It's the name over every religion. It's the name over your name. It's the name over everything that you struggle with. One of our core beliefs as a church is that Jesus is the only way to be saved. It's a great verse to show us that, that God has exalted Jesus. God has elevated his name over the name of every other religion, every other ideology, every nation, every politic, everything must bow the knee and confess with the tongue Jesus is Lord, and only in that is the Father glorified. The Father's not glorified because you have good behavior. Listen to me. The Father's not glorified because you attend a great church. The Father is only glorified when Jesus is at the center of it all. And when you decide and when you commit that Jesus is the center of it all, then you live every day with your knees bowed to the Lord of Jesus Christ. You live every day with a confession on your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life. His name is above your name. His name is above the name of your problems. His name is above the name of the things you fear. His name is over the names of the things you're after. His name is the biggest name of your life. So I close with how I opened. And I love you so much, LifePoint. I have given my life to preach one message ultimately and it's that you would live in a way of full devotion to Jesus. Don't follow me, follow Christ. Only follow me as I follow Christ. I love being your pastor, but this passage, this message, this series is designed to push you to Jesus. So I wanna ask you the questions I asked you at the beginning. What if Jesus truly is the center of it all? And here's what I know. You know where he is, you know where he isn't. Can I ask no one to leave, please, until we finish the service? Because we're gonna stand together in a moment and worship the Lord and pray. Is Jesus Christ the center of your thought life? Is Jesus the center of your actions? Is Jesus the center of what you stream and listen to? Is Jesus the center of your home and family? Is Jesus the center of your beliefs? Is Jesus the center and everything shaped around this church? Is Jesus the center of your money and your calendar? Is Jesus the center of it all? More than believing better, more than behaving better, more than attending church more, those things are great. More than building a great career and family identity, all that stuff. Is Jesus the center of it? And it is the only way to glorify God the Father that you and I live fully devoted, fully surrendered, fully committed to Jesus at the center of it all. That's what I truly believe God's asking us today in our relationships, in our unity as a church, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow daily, hourly, and every tongue confess he is Lord. And here's, here's the response. 
Religion tells you how to earn your way back to that. We do responses, we do penance. But Jesus said, the way back to this is repent. And if Jesus is not the center of it all, fix it. Some people have said, well, if God wants me close, he'll have to come to me. He did. 2,000 years ago, Christ came to the earth to give his life for you because he loved you as a servant. He emptied himself of heaven. He gave his life for you. He came to you. James says, as you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. So fix it. If he's not the center of it all, can you glorify God the Father? The answer is no. So I want to ask you today, would everyone please just stand to your feet around this room, watching online at Austin P. As long as you're not driving, please stand to your feet. And before anybody leaves, I want us to pray a prayer of repentance and confession and commitment. And then I want to sing the chorus of this song over you. Because I'm telling you, it has resonated with me all week, this song, Jesus at the center of it all. And we're going to worship a song of confession to the Lord today. Could I ask everybody by your head? You don't need to look around. Our prayer team's up here at the end of service. If you want prayer, come get it in a moment. But if you would say, Pastor Mike, this is a word for me. I know it's for me. I don't need to think about it any longer. I'm ready. I'm all in. I need Jesus at the center of my life. Come on, if I just want to know I'm praying with somebody. Would you raise your hand? Just wave it at me. My goodness. Thank you, Lord. Could you open your hands to the Lord across the room, church? God, I thank you that you're speaking to your church. I thank you, Lord. This is not an idle sermon. This is an eternity-changing sermon. That God, you would breathe on it right now and challenge us and change us forever. Pray that every person in this room hearing this message would confess Jesus is Lord and bow their knee to the Lordship of Christ. Come on, open your hands to the Lord and pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sin and he raised from the dead to give me new life. I confess my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and your salvation. I receive by faith in the Son of God. Now say this and mean it, everybody. Say, God, I'm all in. God, I'm all Jesus in. is the center of it all. I repent of trying to go my own way. I will live for you for the rest of my life to the glory of God the Father. Come on, just do business with God for a moment. Nobody's moving, nobody's leaving. Just tell the Lord you're thankful for his forgiveness. Tell the Lord, and then I'm gonna lead us in a chorus of worship before we finish. Come on, just tell the Lord how thankful you are for this word. Thank you, God. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you. Oh, Jesus. Come on, sing that again. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you. 
lift your hands to the Lord and sing this with me. Sing nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center. And everything revolves around you. Jesus, Last time, Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you. that's our confession today Jesus at the center of it all to God be the glory in Jesus name amen amen thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message my prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus if you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ stay connected or even partner with us through generosity please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.